Hey, my name is Adam Whitescarver, and I'm the executive director at the Chattanooga House of Prayer, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for listening today, and I hope it encourages you and gives you perspective to see the beauty and the diversity of God's church, both in Chattanooga and the church at large. Thanks for listening. And we are with the very reverend. Do you ever say very reverend? What my, was very Reverend David Carter? What's the difference between Reverend and very Reverend? You know, like in the Episcopal Church, they do that, like Right Reverend, right? And all this. Okay, so truthfully, it's, it's it's ranks. It's 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 like honorifics. It's it's because we have a hierarchy, but then we have. So then I, I'm already I'm already like taking you down. You're not very. It's, are it's you? like you're just you're just Reverend. No, I, so technically very, I am very, very Reverend, reverend. David Carter. But Why for are two you reasons. Very? Okay, <laughs> for two reasons. The first is that I'm the pastor and rector of a basilica, and so because the church has an honor, the the, the pastor gets an honorific title, and there's okay. there's it's just little. It's I almost like I get to wear a little him extra. By the wrong title <laughs> for years. But the second is my work in the canon law as as the adjunct judicial judicial vicar and vice chancellor. I hold diocesan vice office. Chancellor, and chancellor of vice. You know, lots of people. What is it? Uh, it's the Star Wars prequels where they're like, ah, oh, vice viceroy, viceroy, vice, yeah, yeah. Well, vice chancellor, vicarious powers. So you act in the name of another. You know. Yeah. yeah okay. So, so, but for for my diocesan uh, roles, there's an extra added accolade, honorific. To say, oh, you're doing more work. I don't get any more pay, but you do more work. So here's, mm. here's an extra little. Here, here's a very. So I always say the very reverend. It's an aspiration, not a declaration. Mm. I'm a hoping to be you're hoping to be very reverend, <laughs> yeah. but not quite. So, so a bishop is most reverend. Okay. So priest, reverend, bishop, most reverend. Uh, but, our but priest is are reverend. Basilica priest, very reverend. Well, right, exactly. Yeah. Rectors of a cathedral, rectors of Bishop, a Bishop, most reverend, right. Pope, mostest reverend. His, his, his holiness. Uh, uh, bishops are also his excellency. Cardinals are uh, his eminence. You know, it's just like in, in mm. government. Like you, we, mm. we say to the president, his excellency, Donald J. Trump. Th- that's the, the official uh, salutation, I believe, is the, is, the, is the proper cordial term. Do people say that about the president? Well, that's the official term. His Excellency, His Excellency Barack Hussein Obama. That's that was that's that's how it's listed. Oh. Uh, the, the the Queen, uh, Her Majesty, yes. right? Yes. Um, the emperors in the Byzantine Empire used to have. Different, they. I was just thinking glorious, of the Byzantine whatever, emperors. They were. It was almost like a, a your beatitude. Joke. Well, that's and, what, the and I think it was Emperor uh, Basil who thought these were the most ridiculous, absurd titles. Yeah. He was like a usurper, and he ended up. Well, it all comes from it all Same comes these, from the regal traditions. Yeah, you know, it all yeah. comes from all these you know hierarchical uh, titles and from back in the day, and it's from way ancient times. We have been talking for three minutes on your introduction, but I will try to get it. Uh, I will try to get it back uh, right well, people now. People get confused by these. Yeah, it's no. probably a good thing to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm Presbyterian. I, I'm. Actually, I, I when I refer to my pastor, I call him the good reverend, and that's based off the quote from Top Gun. You're, I love Top Gun. Top Gun, where they're, where they're where they're flying, and Goose says, "Now a word from the good reverend." He says oh. that because he's about to give some thoughts to the yeah. guys before they yeah. go and fight. 
Uh, that's that's what I call my pastor, but there's nothing uh, official. But there's only him. one who is good. good Why Reverend, do you call me good? Yeah, I'm messing, oh, I'm messing the whole thing up. Scriptures. Anyway. Uh, so in this uh, episode three, we're going to talk about confession. The sacrament of confession, the practice of confession, and uh, dive into this. So let's, let's talk. I, I want to start, first of all, with an appeal to my... Protestant brethren, and maybe say it from a Protestant point of view. It will be a Protestant point of view, but you'll at least agree with me on some. So the old Anglican term, I think, for this is, oh, I'm trying to recall it. It is, all can, some should, none must. Now, that's some disagreement with the Catholic Church right right there on the last one, because they would say all must at least once a year. That's one of the precepts of the church. Right. Yeah. That is like a, that's the bare bones minimum. You should practice this once a year. I mean, I, I'm really not in disagreement with the Catholic church in the sense of like from a practical standpoint, you should talk to somebody about your mm-hmm. sins mm-hmm. once a year. And, you know, I, I think this practice is, uh, hugely important. I think a lot of the dysfunction that I see in a lot of pastors, that I see in a lot of people is due to isolation and not being real about what's actually going on with you. It's why people go see counselors. It's why people have leadership coaches. It's where they have a place to sort of let their hair down and talk about what's actually going on. And this is different than the old, although sometimes people make it a similar thing, the old accountability brother or sister that people have. Sure. But that's, it's It's a very human thing, a human need. Yeah, but it's not the same idea because people are like, well, just kind of hold me accountable Confession is where you are going and you are owning what it is that you've done wrong and giving an account of I accuse and, and admitting where you are not who you want to be. It's where you say things about yourself that you wish were not true about yourself. It's humiliating, humiliating thing. Yes, and it, and it helps people to be more humble. There is also, now, we're probably going to get a little bit separate here at some point, but I'll just keep talking from the Protestant standpoint. We're promised by James that confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. Of course, I'm not going to say it has to be a priest. Uh, I, I would say it needs to be to a, a brother or sister in the faith. And I, the, the Orthodox also have a, and I think Catholics have it too, a, this role of a spiritual mentor who's not yeah. necessarily an ordained priest who would be right. called a confessor. So you guys wouldn't say confessor is a, is a technical term of of someone who um, uh, heroically defends the faith, or th- that's a technical okay, term. Okay, well, that would be like the step below martyr, in the, maybe in the correct. west, but in the east at least, it is the confessor is the person you tell your sins to, but that's not necessarily the priest. So there's like a that one is well, we have spiritual director. So it would be important to do that, but. But as far as from a Catholic standpoint, you're not actually getting your sins absolved Correct. unless you go see a priest. Okay, I know I'm for getting sacramental reconciliation. Yeah, but but for but for Protestants at least, I'm I'm commending the idea of yes. having a confessor in your life, a person that you sure. go to to confess your sins on it's a regular basis. It's part of basis. the ancient tradition of the church, right? And it's recommended in Scripture. And we're both we're both in agreement on that part at least. If you should be doing this. the The other side of it is what's said in First John one nine. Uh, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us mm-hmm. our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a double side to confession. One is your sins are forgiven, which means it's basically like going to God and saying, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And and God saying, I forgive you. Uh, the, the other side is 
we have garbage in our souls. Just because we came to Christ and we know him now and uh, are connected with him in his life, it doesn't mean that when we have when we come to him that we are all automatically uh, people who walk in holiness. And we need him to wash that that flesh, drive that flesh out of us to a cleanse. Congregation? Yes. Oh, gosh. Uh, drive it out of us. And so that's why when we go and confess, it actually has an effect of not only yes. helping us to, to be reconciled back to God, but to also be sanctified to become holier people. If you don't have a practice like this in your life, I'll just tell you, I, I, as a guy who prays, uh, I, in fact, I used to say, I'm going to do this without other people, and I'm going to pray so much, and I'm going to read scriptures so much that I, and I'm going to fast a lot. I did. I would do this for, I would fast, and I would I would pray and read scripture for more than three hours a day. This was this was back in the day. I don't I don't I'm not that rock solid anymore. But I used to I used to do that much, and and I noticed that's not fixing the problem by Mm -hmm. itself. Now that was tremendously important and helpful, but there was missing. missing. Misting. We missed I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, um, I have a habit of pointing out everything that everybody says. Like, <laughs> I just let's just get it out there. You just didn't articulate that. I'm the guy who listens to podcasts and I'm like, oh, he just totally misarticulated that word. Uh, maybe it's my background in radio. I confess. That yes, I... yes. You botched it, David. <laughs> Fumble. Uh, no, but uh, if you if you don't practice that, you're missing some aspect of of life in Christ that you could have. So there's my long Protestant guys, gals. We need to practice this. You've mm-hmm. got and you've you've got to work to get to a place where you can um, do this on a regular basis. And finding those trustworthy people now it's a little bit easier for Catholics, maybe that they can go to um, a priest. And let, I'll, let's even talk about that in a second. But for for Protestants, you've you've almost got to work. To find a safe place where you can confess, it has to be done prudently. You don't just go right confess into the to the internet or something. It, right, that's a terrible place. Yeah. Do not put your dirty mail <laughs> yeah. or laundry, whatever it is, dirty laundry. Just that's be, the one on, up on Facebook. Yeah. That's just a terrible idea. Yeah. But um, you know, what, one of the good things about about Catholics is that, and this is actually protected well, by law, yeah. is that if... It's a ready-made someone forum. goes, Yeah, it's a ready-made forum. If someone goes to confess to a priest, that priest is bound by law no matter what you tell them. And they're contesting that now in various in, places. In Australia, uh, I know, and that's a very bad idea. Uh, well, it's not going to fly in, in the sense that the, all the priests will violate that civil law because it's unjust. Okay, interesting. Um, and if they if they violate it... And if they or if they if they follow that law and and reveal what was had in in uh, what was said in in uh, the internal forum of of uh, the sacrament of reconciliation, they will be defrocked. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so what David's talking about? So when you go to a priest and some and a Catholic confesses, it doesn't matter if they've murdered people, if they have stolen a billion dollars from the United States government. It doesn't matter if they have been. Doing something as horrible as molesting children. That's what it's centered around. And that's what this is centered around, right? That that priest is bound by law currently. But the United States law still has this. Australian law still has this. They cannot go and tell what that person confessed to them. Well, it's not a civil law. 
This is the th- this is what's being cont- so. Well, there, there's it, no law. It's, well, it's I don't know if it's law, but it's in um, it's protected. It's a protected in right. It's a protected yes. privilege. Yes, it's a privileged conversation. Just, just, and it, and 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 ethically, that comes from freedom of religion. The, well, not only the freedom of religion, but the forum is protected, just like clergy client or just like lawyer client privilege. Right. You wouldn't. This is clergy get penitent good, privilege. R- correct. But like, if you're if your lawyer was ba- was was bound by law somehow. To to divulge the conversations that he's had with you about your case, then you would be very wary and reticent to talk to him uh, about the, the realities of your particular case, and so you will not get good counsel. And so that that relationship of lawyer and client privilege is protected. It's a privileged, protected environment, so that you get a good defense. Right? right, so so that's why it's it's ethically protected. Otherwise, you wouldn't be telling your guts to your lawyer right. when you need to be, so that you can get a good defense. Well, in the same way, if the clergy penitent relationship were somehow um, viable, you know, like another is as opposed and to that inviolable. person couldn't say this is what I'm struggling with. Then there's not a priest there to help them right. reform their life. Do the right thing. So that's why ethically that's there. Right. Now, on the religious side, on the religious side, we we have a very clear understanding of that this is uh, the, the person's relationship with the with the Lord our God. So it's it's really the, the the penitent confessing to God through the ministry of the priest. So when we pray the prayer of absolution, is a may God forgive you. But through the ministry of the priest, through, through the church, you know. So we are the we are the 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 conduit. We we are the the sacramental uh, connection, if you will, um, of what God is doing. And so we don't want to violate that uh, the, the 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 on the level of conscience, so that people wouldn't make use of the sacrament that God provides right. to us. Why why is some no one's going to confess? I'm I'm struggling with doing heinous crimes. Uh, to a priest if they don't feel like they can, they have a safe place. Correct. So that's, that's, so then, now, now we're like, boy, we just, we got in really deep. Um, <laughs> talk, just like a little deep dive boom. there, but now we got to go back a little yes, bit. Yes, now we're going to, now we're going to swim like back. What, 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 I think you, you, you prefaced it by saying, well, hey, look, there's a scriptural precedent for confessing to one another. There is a historical and a sociological, anthropological goodness to all of this. It helps spiritually. Right. Where is the scriptural evidence for that the church has the power to forgive sins? Well, this is, I think, a big part of. Oh wait a minute! Did I, did where you brought this up? Oh my goodness! I know. I thought we were swimming out of the deep end. Well, we, but this is an essential part, though. Oh okay. Well, I I, this is the deep end. I was just waiting for you to say, like, "Hey, this is a good." I agree. It's a good idea. Catholics practice this more. That's what I was, I, I <laughs> well, was I throwing you a little bone to, to, to legitimately. Answer: why, why does the church feel that she has the power to forgive sins? Who but God alone can forgive sins? Sounds like the scribes and Pharisees of Jesus' time, right? <laughs> not casting stones, but you remember the story. Wow. And, and of course, as a good Catholic, I know the story, but not necessarily the chapter and verse. But it, uh, maybe it's Mark, Matthew, somewhere in there. The man lowered uh, from the from the ceiling into Jesus. He's in Capernaum. He's there. Uh, there's so many crowds, uh, and they lower him down. He's he's uh, crippled. And Jesus uh, is is there, and he says, "Stand up and walk." And 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 the and they're murmuring, you know, oh gosh, this guy. And and Jesus knows their thoughts, and he says, "What is 
or no, he says, first of all, he says, um, your sins are forgiven. That's when they murmur. They say, oh, your sins are forgiven. Who does this guy think he is? He can forgive sins. And who but God alone can forgive sins? He goes, so that you might know that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins, I say to you, stand up and walk. You know, So it's harder for, for you to believe that this man's cured than that I can forgive his sins. Well, look, I'm going to cure his, his crippledness so that you understand I have the power to forgive his sins too. Right? I am God. Mm. Okay, so Jesus has the power to forgive sins, right? He has this power. And nemo dat quod non habet. Mm, wait, no. wait. <laughs> that is our no. first Latin no. reference of the episode. It is took it? him 16 minutes. Uh, that was an anti-record. Yeah, that was, a, that was a record for how he's never gone that long before. No one gives what he doesn't have. Right. So when you give what you do have, you have the power to give it, right? Right. Jesus in the Gospel of John, chapter 20. He, he's risen from the dead now. They're up in the upper room for fear of the Jews. They're all huddled around, and he appears to them, even though the door's locked. So he's walking through the doors now, right? He's appearing to them. He says, oh, my gosh, there's a ghost. And he says, no, 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 it's me. It's me. Put your put your finger in my side. And, you know, be not unbelieving, but believe. Okay. Uh, well, that's the second time. But what does he do? He breathes on them. Mm-hmm. The Ruah, the Spirit. You know, he he breathes on them, the Holy Spirit, and he says, peace be with you. What brings peace? But the forgiveness of sins, right? Whose sins you forgive, they are forgiven. And whose sins you retain, they are retained. He who has the power to forgive sins is now giving this authority, the power of the keys furthered, exercised, deputizing. He's given it to the apostles. He's like, okay, wow. Now... Human beings possess divine power. Does that was that meant to be only for twelve men for the the duration of their life, and then the church no longer has this power? Why would Jesus give this power except that they would give it to the next generation and the next generation? This is the importance of apostolic succession mm-hmm. because now this divine power, which is not human power, is passed down from generation to generation through the laying on of hands and the invocation of the Holy Spirit, right? And St. Paul talks about this, this ministry of reconciliation, which we have been called to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the... the this, Can we do a timeout right, yes, right okay. there? That... Now, of course, I'm going to go in the... You're, you're going to go in the direction of this has to be through proper church authorities. I'm going to go in the direction of this is the church that does this. But regardless, let's just say one thing I know that we're going to agree on it's really good and healthy. Yes, okay, And sure. that Jesus has given this power to people. Yes. So it's not unheard of that human beings can forgive sins in the name of Christ. And that when you confess your sins to a human being, we're not going to qualify that right now, um, uh, there, there's, a, there's a power that God releases that goes along with it. Yeah, he cooperates good. with humanity. Yes. I mean, in the sense we, of but we, we're cooperating with him. But we've lost this connection to... The church mm-hmm. uh, of 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 being the body of Christ, radical like individuals, the body of Christ. It's you're going to Jesus when you go to the church to confess yeah. your sins, uh, and and I know we're defining that differently, but it's still that's still a very important concept yeah. of the the church is the body of Christ. It's yeah. the body of Christ. You should treat the church with all its flaws, right? Uh, but. It, it's still the body of Christ that we're, we're to be interacting with in such a way to find life. Yes. Okay, time in. 
Okay. I mean, pick pick back up. I know I know we're disagreeing, but let's at least well, kind of point out places where it's like this is still well, a so mission critical thing. I would I would say this. I mean, in, in as much as an, an analogy would would sometimes help to answer. When St. Peter is at the, the beautiful gate and there's the, the fellow sitting there at the pool of Siloam or whatever, and, and he's begging for money, and he goes, hey, gold I have and silver gold. and gold, I have not, but what I do have, I give to you, rise and walk. You know, Peter is exercising the divine power, the, the charismatic gift of healing. Right. Can human beings also not exercise the charismatic gift of forgiveness of sins? Right. By analogy, you would say... Right. So, so for those who are so adamantly against, no, a priest doesn't have the power to forgive sins. You know, only God can forgive sins. Well, human beings have have exercised God's power to heal in the name right. of Christ. Be healed, right? And they are right. Well, the priest sitting in the confessional when somebody, in all humility, confesses their sins. They say, in the name of Christ, be forgiven. Right. And that's what that. So the the, the words of absolution. Uh, let me see if I can. Now I'm gonna have to. I say it like a hundred thousand times. Uh, uh, you know, but if, now if you're not in your in your in your box, you don't even right, know exactly. what to do. Through the ministry of Jesus, no. So God, the Father of mercies, through the ministry of. Uh, no, hang on, now I'm gonna, we, is, I promise sorry. I got a real yeah, priest on this right. on this show, people. It's a real priest. God, the Father of mercies, yes. through the death of life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, has purchased. Now I'm getting into another prayer. What you always I've put got yourself him. I've got on? Him. I've got him on the road. I do this a hundred times. Times a day, you know, when people sit in, I'm sitting in the confessional. Yeah. God, the Father of mercies, uh, through the life, uh, through the death and resurrection of, of Christ, has reconciled the world to Himself and sent the Holy Spirit among us for the forgiveness of sins through the ministry of the church. May God give you pardon and peace. And I absolve you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Why don't you just say te absolvo? Ego te absolvo. That would uh, be so much easier for but you. You can. Huh. If. If you get into a place where, um, you know, you, you can't do the full formula, oh, okay. the sacramental efficacy comes from ego te absolve. I, I absolve you yeah. from your sins in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Is there a noise coming from There somewhere? is noise coming from outside. We're, we're recording at the Basilica, so it's okay. We'll just leave the noise. I think somebody's like wrapping up there, a package with packing tape. There's good character yeah. added to the podcast when it's not all in the same location. Yeah. We're at the beautiful Basilica of St. Peter and Paul in downtown Chattanooga, which is a minor basilica of the Catholic Church, which we talked about earlier, gives some extra prestige, a very, to the priest. Yes, that's how, that's very, why you're a very reverend, reverend yeah. instead of just reverend. Highest aspiration, not mm-hmm. a declaration. Yes, yes. Uh, we, yeah, we all aspire yeah. for more. So, yes, uh, back to the, can this be put in the hands of a human being? Yes. Uh, you know, for... Well, it's so like just taking away reasonable obje- uh, unreasonable objections. Are, you know, yes. People say, well... And I want Protestants to hear this, too. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm not... I, as a Protestant, I don't agree that it has to be to a Catholic priest or to a, uh, a, or a, um, an Orthodox priest. But I, but I am saying God does deputize his yeah. people, the church... To yeah. do this, and this concept that you're sharing is yeah. important for Protestants here because they, uh, I know there, there's people that go to therapy, they try to do all sorts of other things. We've got it built into if, our. If you would just practice, practice this yeah. on a regular basis, yeah. kind of like scripture reading, if you read your Bible once, you know it once, it's really not going to make that much of a difference. Right. If you're if you pray one time a year, it's you know it's it's helpful. Right. Uh, just like confession, I, I know people that they'll go on like a retreat and they'll have some honest, vulnerable moment. Mm-hmm. 
with people because they were there and they'll say, gosh, that was so life changing. And they look to that. I'm like, you, you can actually incorporate that into your, into your life. I practice this twice a month and, and I don't dare go without it because I know that if I didn't practice confession, I would end up becoming a, the, the sins that I'm dealing with would just grow and get big and awful in the place mm-hmm. of darkness, mm-hmm. leaving them and keeping them exposed in light, knowing that I'm going to be talking about this, working mm-hmm. through the things so that I can continue with repentance. Uh, sure, you, it might be like a stock market in the sense that like it'll pop back up a little bit, but on the whole, this thing is like a declining mm-hmm. market of name sin it, in my life. Name it, own it, uh, humility yeah. before the, the Lord. What's the old, the old preacher from Alabama said? Um, the problem with sin is you can't train it, so you have to kill it. Oh, there it is. Yeah, uh, and and so that's the same thing. Of um, I want my soul to be healed. I want Jesus Christ to cleanse me from all mm-hmm. unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I make this a regular practice. And you know, it's it's part of the Protestant. We you know, uh, because there was so much work to distance Protestantism from Catholicism. Yeah. This got jettisoned, and this is an essential well, practice. There's partly a rejection of sacerdotal authority, like priestly authority. Like there's a lot of uh, the movement away from the sacred powers of orders. right now. There is a rejection of authority. Period. Per period. So, so I think any authority other than myself as the authority of individualism. Myself. Yes, hyper individualism is 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 a, is a, is kind of killing us. Because it's, it's everywhere. It's it, it, uh, you made a point about the body of Christ. We belong to the body. We're not just me and Jesus. And right. There's a lot of that out there. And of course, to have to confess. Why do I have to confess my sins to to a priest? That you hear that a lot. Like even people that are coming into the Catholic Church, they're like, "Gosh, I'm really struggling with this. Why can't I just go right to God?" Well, but you have to. How do you hear the gospel? You have to have had some kind of human mediation to have heard the gospel. Well, I'm I'm miss I'm paraphrasing him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, "Why would you dare to confess to the living God something you wouldn't just tell a normal mortal man?" Right. And boy, he's right. I'm like, you, I don't think you're I don't think you're recognizing the gravity of who God is if you're willing to just tell him and not a human being. You're, you're playing also, the game. You're, you're telling God how he's supposed to be instead of accepting how he has established that he, he created a church to minister to you. Right. You know, it's it's the old adage of, uh, or the, the story, you know, the fella, there's a big flood, he's sitting on his roof, and he prays to God, oh, Lord, save me from this flood. And so along comes a little boat. And they say, hey, hop in, yes. hop in, fellow. We go, no, 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 you go on. I'm waiting for God to save me, okay? And then the helicopter flies over, drops a rope. No, 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 you go on. I'm waiting for God to save me, uh, you know? And and then, you know, whatever, the third person comes along, you know, in a... Last chance, man, I've got my hovercraft. Yeah, yeah. right, hovercraft. And no, I'm waiting for God to save And of course, the flood goes up and he drowns and he goes to God. Why didn't you say, what do you, what do you mean? I sent you all I these sent things. You all these things. Yeah. And then there's the joke of, yeah. well, you know, oh Lord, if you, I, I'll, I'll promise to go to church every day and, and be, and tithe all my 10% if you give me a parking space because I need to get into this meeting. And, and then all of a sudden somebody pulls out and he goes, never mind, I found one myself. You know? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I have not heard that one. God works through human agency. Right. It's his plan. Um, well, the whole faith is incarnational. Yes. That Jesus is fully God, fully man, 
there needs to be a physical aspect to our very spiritual faith. And if you don't do the physical stuff, you're not going to get the spiritual stuff that you're after. Yeah. It's, a, it's just a, that rule is tied to everything in our faith. It's incarnational. Well, it's, it, somebody has come up with this false notion that it's just me and Jesus. Right. And, and, and that's, and that's not, not the way Jesus did it. There's a part of that of you should have a personal individual oh, relationship that, that's, with Jesus. Let's, let's be clear. But, I do not say that you shouldn't. Right. But going I, I, too far yeah. in that extreme yes, is, is, is a ditch on the other side of the path to life. Yeah. On the path of life, what is it? The phrase is on the path of life on either side is a ditch. I see this happening even in the political sphere. You know, these very concepts have translated themselves into the way we structure society. Either you're a radical individualist, you know, uh, self-sufficient, you know, capital, capital, you know, gain, you know, you do, you make for your own, or you're a radical socialist, which is communism. Okay. It's just the collective that's important. And we're, we're somehow, you know, between these two extreme poles, and the truth is in the middle. Right. I think Christianity has got the same issue, the same problem. No, we're not saved collectively, but it doesn't mean that we're that that, that we are devoid of responsibility to our brothers. You know, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, Cain, you are. Yes. And I I need my brother to help me to ascend to the to the throne of God. Right. Right. Sorry, we can get poetic about it. Boy, I want to talk about this for a long time, but let's let's go just a little bit further. Mortal versus venial sin. Let me, as in a Protestant, say mortal is the sin that's going to disconnect relationship with God. You're going to need to go to a priest and do some probably reconciliation penance there. Venial sin is a much more minor thing. You can pray and say, oh, Lord, forgive me kind of thing. But they would weaken the soul yeah. toward a mortal sin kind of a thing. And yeah. this distinction that Protestants will... Now, this is in the Protestant traditions. There's there's an argument here. Uh, I remember getting into an argument with a guy recently over this, and he was saying, "Well, all sins the same." And I'm like, "Well, there's there's a truth to that well, to a the degree." Scriptural evidence says that there's a difference in, but sins, there's a yeah. difference. There's a difference, and he, and he just kept arguing. And I said, "Why would Jesus say theirs will be the greater condemnation? Is that this obviously has a higher level of problem to it? Uh, Hitler is not the same as somebody who kicks a dog." I mean, that stealing two cents is not the same as stealing a billion billion. dollars. Right. Right. Um, And, you know, I'd love to get in this more, but I'm trying to keep each each episode. Yeah, we could could go so long. Is there anything you just want to throw out there before we close out this episode? Well, so first of all, there's a scriptural evidence. And again, like a good Catholic, uh, without I I didn't prepare. This is totally unprepared. This is off the cuff. Yeah. Um, And I don't have the... Notice that I'm not backing you up with the references every time you make these. Right. As if you know. But it's it's in the universal letters, the Catholic letters. Like it's Jude or Peter or John. One of those that says, you know... Um, he says, not, but not all sin is, is, is deadly. Not all sin is mortal. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? So he, he makes the distinction in, in the scriptures. So that, that, that's the origin of that. And we would say that there's just a natural distinction. You know, we have misdemeanors and we have felonies. You know what I mean? We, ha- right. we, we make this distinction all the time right. in civil law. Right. Well, in the same thing with the offense against God, you know, uh, I, even the just man sins how many times a day? Right. Seven. Okay. Seven times a day. Right. But does that mean he's committing mortal sins seven times a day? Uh, like he's completely rupturing his relationship as if he he murdered in cold, meditated blood, uh, you know, an innocent human being? Or maybe just 
he he in a in a moment of passion smacks somebody in the face because they they said a bad word. You know what I mean? Right. There's a huge difference in gravity and in culpability and in imputability. Here's the lawyer in me coming out too. I was gonna say, man, right? he's bringing the heat. Yeah. So that's the difference between mortal and venial sin. All right. Well, we're gonna wrap this episode up with that. <laughs> Thank you, David Carter. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us. The Chattanooga House of Prayer is a nonprofit ministry based in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where we are seeking the transformation of our city through unified prayer, worship, and action. I want to give a special thank you to those of you who give generously to this ministry. We have just learned over the years that many hands make light work, and it is because of you that we can continue this important mission. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit chathop.org. That's C-H-A-T-T-H-O-P dot org slash podcast for more information. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, share it with your friends, share it on your social media, and tag us at Chattanooga House of Prayer. Thanks again for listening.